Hello, and welcome to the Canada's History Podcast. My name is Sarah Riley, and I'm this year's editorial and research intern at Canada's History. Today, I am speaking with Canada's History web editor, Tanya Hutter, about her history idol. Tanya, who has been with the Society since 2003, chose Thanadel Thur as her favourite person in Canadian history. In her early years as web editor for The Beaver, Tanya came across a number of articles that discussed the story of Thana Delther, a young Chippewayan woman. Hello, Tanya. Hello, Sarah. My first question is this. Who was Thana Delther? That is an excellent question and not very easy to answer. Stories about her have been handed down in the tradition of oral history, and her actions were documented by employees of the HBC. But we have no record from Thanadelther herself, so what we uh, have are some generally accepted premises. In the HBC journals, Governor James Knight referred to her mostly as slave woman. He started those journals in 1714, but sometime around 1716, he started to call her slave woman Joan. She is believed to be a woman of the Chippewayan tribe, living in the area around the Churchill River in what is now northern Manitoba. In 1713, she was kidnapped by the Cree and was enslaved for about a year before she and another Chippewayan woman escaped and tried to find their way back home. It was just before winter when they left. They didn't have a lot of food, eating what they could catch with their snares. Thanadel Thur survived, but her companion did not. Towards the end of November, and this was about 1714, Thanadel Thur came upon tracks that put her on the path to York Fort, which was the HBC post covered by James Knight. James Knight wanted to build a post on the Churchill River for the Chippewayans as a way to expand HBC's trade, but in order to do so, he needed to broker a peace between them and the Cree. When Thanadel Thur came along, it was like a match made in heaven. She was looking for a way to reunite with her family, and she spent the next two years in the service of Knight as an interpreter and guide, helping him make inroads to greater trade of furs and metals with the Chippewayans. She, in turn, had the potential to reconnect with her people. In December 1716, after some resounding successes, she and James were making plans for a new venture in the spring, but um, she fell ill with a virus that was going around the post. She was sick for weeks, and eventually, in February, she succumbed. What did Thanadelther do that made her so important to Canadian history? In a nutshell... Thanadelther's role as the ambassadress of peace allowed economic and political activities to flourish for the Chippewayan, the Cree, and the British. James Knight reclaimed York Fort from the French in late 1714 and needed to reestablish trade relations. He knew about the Chippewayans, but they were reluctant to travel to the post for fear of the Crees attacking them, and the only way to solve the situation was to instill peace between the two tribes. A peace expedition was mounted, beginning with Thanadelther as interpreter and cultural guide. William Stewart was the leader, or HBC, envoy. He was instructed by night to protect her from the other members. The main corps was a Cree trader who brought along his family, but as support for the expedition caught on, they eventually grew to 150 people, mostly Cree. The expedition encountered a harsh winter in terms of cold and lack of food. They divided themselves into smaller companies to improve their chances of survival. At one point, um, they managed to track some Chippewayans, only to come across their tent with nine dead bodies in it. Stuart and the Cree trader felt peace was impossible at this point, and they were ready to go back, but 
Then Adelthur convinced them to hold their ground. She got them to stay at the camp for ten days while she continued to pursue the Chippewayan. She found more than four hundred and brought about a hundred and sixty back with her. It was no easy task. They say she taught herself horse for two whole days before she could persuade them that the Cree were interested in peace. For days they smoked and talked and exchanged presents, and ultimately the Chippewayans and the Cree became friends and trading partners. So when did you first learn about Thanadalther? Um, it was probably around 2004, a year after I started with Canada's history. I was in charge of digitizing the Full Beaver Archive and supervised an online project called Fur Trade Stories. I will admit that I knew very little about Canadian history at that point. My university studies were more international in scope, and I'm from the generation who has only taught Canadian history in grade 5. I can still see the textbook in my head. Uh, it was blue featured a harsh terrain landscape, and focused on the explorers. But other than that, nothing really stuck. So when I started digitizing and indexing the beaver collection, soaking up 400 years of history became an occupational hazard. Early on, I came across an article from the September 1932 issue. It was written by K.E. Pincott called What Churchill Owes to a Woman, Being Manitoban and Female. I was curious to know what Churchill owed to a woman. Not only was I captivated by her story, but it didn't escape me that in 1932 she was being exalted for contributions at a time when women were still being overlooked for their abilities. Also, this article drew heavily on quotations from James Knight's journals, which were written between 1714 and 1717, and Knight gave her much credit for helping him achieve his professional goals. He didn't care to know her real name, or if he did, he didn't document it, but still... He cherished her for her skills um, in survival, mediation, and negotiation. The trading post that James Knight established is what we know today as Fort Prince of Wales, which lies just north of Churchill, Manitoba. So why is Thanadelther your history idol? In my mind, Thanadelther was the ultimate in 1700s-era girl power. She would have had to have been one smart cookie. She learned multiple languages, was skilled in survival, and she wasn't just able to communicate. She was reported to be eloquent and practical enough to persuade hundreds of men to choose commerce over war. She changed the way of life for the Chippewaans and the Cree and increased market share for the HBC. Also, um, she was brave. While traveling on the expedition, she had no shortage of things to say to her Cree companions, including calling them cowards for killing her people. And... I think she has to be the poster child for inner strength. I mean, the phrase inner strength gets bandied about a lot today. In our contemporary society, we talk about being stressed, and health practitioners encourage us to nurture our personal support systems, such as friends and family, and access all available resources. You can't swing a proverbial dead cat without hitting upon a library, bookstore, TV program, or website to guide ourselves through a tough time. We don't know when Thanadelther was born, but it's estimated around 1697. And if we use that, that means she was only 16 years old when she was kidnapped by the Cree, maybe 17 when she escaped and met up with James Knight. She worked for the HBC uh, and established peace with the Chippewaans and Cree while she was 18 and 19 years old. When the expedition was perilously close to starvation, William Stewart the man who was supposedly in charge of the peace expedition, wrote in his journal that he didn't think he was going to see York Fort again. 
Then Adele Thurm might have thought the same thing herself, but she's the one who is credited for keeping them all going. If anyone should have post-traumatic stress, you would think it would be her. Um, even if her Cree captors did her no harm, she didn't speak their language at the time. Um, she learned that later on, so it must have been really isolating for her. Her partner in the escape wasn't strong enough to survive the same physical challenges that then Thur overcame. Um, once she met up with the employees, she would have had to have been one of the few or the only woman amongst all these men at the post on the expedition. So how did she get so strong in such a short period of time with little or no guidance from trustworthy and familiar family members? When I was 17, I spent a couple of months in Austria to learn German and work for my uncle who had a hotel and restaurant. People were always nice to me, and my cousins and their friends would try out their English on me. But they got bored with making that effort quite quickly. So I spent a lot of time in my own head. I certainly wasn't negotiating commercial deals that would still be in place 200 years later, or mediating peace between warring factions. I find myself wanting to know, who did she confide in after a hard day? What kinds of things made her afraid? Did she feel vulnerable, but just work through it, taking each day as it came? Or how would she have wished her life to go, if she had had the choice? We'll never know, but she'll always remain an inspiration for me. Thanks a lot, Tanya. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with us today. You've been listening to the Canada's History Podcast with Sarah Riley. Thanks for listening.